Welcome to Bookswell Intersections, a podcast devoted to connecting readers and writers in Los Angeles. Our goal is to make the book scene in LA easier to navigate, to introduce readers to new writing, and to weave together digital and real-life literary experiences. Our passion is amplifying underheard voices in publishing, including writers of color and LGBTQ, female, and indie writers. I'm your host, Cody Sisko. Welcome to Bookswell Intersections. In future episodes, we'll be joined by writers for interviews, but this, since this is our first episode, we decided to focus on recapping recent events and looking forward to upcoming events. Let me introduce you to the Intersections co-host for today. Irene Yoon is director of the LA Review of Books USC Publishing Workshop. Hi, thanks for having me. Sarah Labrie is a professional book club facilitator. Hello. And Dan Lopez is a local bookseller and author. Hey, Cody. Hi, everyone. Welcome. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Before we get to all the great literary events coming up in March, let's get caught up. So I know most of us haven't seen each other for a while, but Irene and I actually ran into each other earlier this week at a publisher's roundtable in Santa Monica. Yeah, it was really great. Um, At the Annenberg Beach House, which I'd never been to before, it's gorgeous. Um, There was an independent publisher's talk with Moontide Press, Tia Chucha, Red Hen, and Unnamed. Um, And it was great. There was a big turnout, which I was pleasantly surprised by. I don't know (laughs) what your expectations are going into it, but it was a really awesome conversation just about what all these presses are up to, um, what the independent publishing scene in LA looks like right now. Um, And just a nice opportunity to talk to people who are making some really cool things happen. But what did you think? I I thought it was great. You know, um, I think it was Kate Gale from Red Hen Press said uh, that LA is so spread out, we don't get to see each other, which is true, but especially true for Book World because there's events like all over the place. Um, So that was great. Uh, I got to meet uh, Olivia Taylor Smith from Unnamed. I hadn't met her before and we've been exchanging emails. So we finally decided, hey, we need to get together. Um, Turns out we're both from Northeast LA. So uh, that makes it really easy. Dan, do you, I think you, your first novel was published by Unnamed, right? It was, yeah. And Olivia is my, um, my editor over there. So that's great. I'm bummed I didn't make it to that event because as you know, I live like a stone's throw from there in Santa Monica. Um, and that is such a great venue. I've been, I've been waiting to get back to it because they were closed for the winter or I guess for the last few months, but I guess their, their pro- public program is kind of kicking up again. And I saw that listing actually on Bookswell, and I totally forgot to mark it on my calendar. <laughs> um, but I'm glad to hear it went really well. Like, and I'm glad you got a chance to connect with Olivia and all the other folks at those great local presses. Yeah, I think um, I think they have a writers in residency program mm-hmm. like twice a year. So there's always um, three events that the writer in residence does at, near the beach house. So uh, there's at least six every year. And those are great events. Uh, you and I went to one of those a while back. Um, right. I feel like it was a dark and rainy night or something. <laughs> like I, wa- I walked along the beach to get there and there was like no light. And I was like, what is going on? I'm on like the one here. It was a little terrifying, um, but it was a good event. But that's where I met uh, Rochelle. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Rochelle Youssef is uh, one of our mm-hmm. co-hosts who couldn't make it tonight. But um, yeah, that's where I met her that night when that was Sakaya Manning's yes. uh, yep. writer in residency uh, event. That was fantastic. Um, so what else have you all been up to lately? What's happening? Um, I have been, I've had the honor and the privilege of running some book clubs on some incredible books lately that I've been very excited 
um, to see come out and find big audiences. Um, one of them is called Washington Black, and it's by um, an African-Canadian writer named Essie Adujan. Um, she studied at Johns Hopkins, but she grew up in Alberta, Canada, was one of the only mm-hmm. black families in Western Canada. Mm-hmm. And the book is about um, a boy born into slavery in Barbados who is rescued by his sadistic master's brother and then taken on these adventures all over the world as a free man. And it's kind of, if you have ever um, read Henry James or any of these like beautiful novels that take place in the 1830s, it shows you what was happening on the other side of that. So in mm, the British colonies, the sort of really brutal, tragic lives um, that the enslaved were living on plantations. And um, it's kind of a fairy tale. There's something very magical about it. It's beautifully written. Um, it's one of the most sort of lyrical, just like classic novels that you can just sink your teeth into that I've read lately. Highly recommended. Also a great book club book. That sounds great. Yeah. It's really fascinating. I read it in like two sittings. <laughs> Sarah and I had talked about this before too because it was, just, I mean, it's not a short book, but it was so engaging and really, yeah, it's a, it's a wonderful story. And Irene, did you discover it through Sarah or independently? I actually, I discovered it here in the LARB office <laughs> um, and took it home and it was, yeah, it was really great. My, my husband had actually read it too and he was oh, raving nice. about it and so the three of us got to talk about it at length over dinner the other night because it's a really fabulous novel. So yeah, I would second that recommendation for sure. That sounds fantastic. Can I ask, how do you usually come across a new book that you want to read or what, what's, you know, are there any examples you can share? I'll, I'll give a stab at that. Um, as a bookseller, uh, I know that there's really nothing more important than word of mouth. Like so many times will people will come in the store and they'll be like, oh, I heard about such and such from a friend of mine. And you kind of, you know, you try to recommend similar books. Um, actually, a great book that I recently read was also word of mouth. My husband, who um, also does a LARB podcast, um, he was looking at this book called Leading Men by Christopher Castel- Castellani. Um, it's a brand new book. It's kind of historical fiction about... Tennessee Williams and his longtime lover, Frank Merlo, and they kind of spent this, you know, sort of idyllic time in the 50s in the countryside in Italy. And they went to this big party that Truman Capote threw, and there they met this fictional character, an actress named Anja Bloom. And it kind of goes on from there. It kind of recounts how their lives got to where they're going. And what, what I found very fascinating, it's kind of, if you've read Beautiful Ruins, that Jess Walters book, it's kind of that idea of, Hollywood stars or famous people from you know the mid-century hanging out in Italy like it's kind of almost I would say like a trope Mm -hmm. Um, and of course that's it's very lush it's very you know decadent and you want to dive into it so that's what drew me to it Um, but really I I stuck around because of the totally fictional character of Anja Bloom who I like was super icy in an amazing way and had like this (laughs) yeah she just had this like really great perspective on kind of these gay men in her lives and how the gay men use the women and she's like really kind of she was looking at it in this interesting perspective of like I value these people but I also feel like I'm a pawn in their lives which I thought was like a kind of interesting thing coming from a gay male writer to kind of do that self-critique a little bit through the voice of this other character and yet the story was coming through that character yeah in part like there's there's a lot of different areas it jumps around a lot um but yeah it was it was a really sort of fascinating thing again never would have heard about it if it weren't for just word of mouth um right and just showing up on it shows up on someone's radar mm-hmm. and i guess this is 
the publishers are probably always trying to backwards manufacture this, right? They're like, <laughs> they're like seed it with the right people. Like you mentioned, you find the galley or whatever here right. at the LARB office uh, for the previous book. I bet there that's like, they're like, how do we get that? <laughs> Put it in the right hands. Like, the address the is. Right? <laughs> so basically send me books is what I'm trying to say. <laughs> um, speaking of the gay male authors, has anyone read less? I yes. found that to be a really fantastic book club book as well. Um, it was a 2018 Pulitzer Prize winner. It's this very charming, lovely story about an author who goes on a worldwide tour to avoid the wedding of his um, ex-boyfriend, who is the love of his life. But it's really speaking to, I mean, this question of what does it mean to be a gay man over the age of 50, he's mm-hmm. reaching a middle, he's reaching a midlife crisis. He feels like he has no guides. And obviously it's taking place in the shadow of the trauma of the AIDS crisis. But um, the way it handles that story, it could be such a dark book. And instead it's so lovely and it's unabashedly has a happy, has a happy ending. And um, I think it's really paving the way for like a new kind of literature, like mm. a new, like a literature of the current gay moment that we haven't really seen in mainstream fiction a lot i don't i just wanted to know what you you all thought of that if you've read it i it's crazy to bring that up because i kind of feel like not only was it a potentially dark story it was also a dark horse to win the pulitzer like Mm -hmm. i knew a couple people that read it when it came out i was like yeah it was a fun book you know it's it's Mm -hmm. it's light in a way you wouldn't expect but also has teeth to it and then to when, like, everybody was surprised that it was the Pulitzer. was like, what happened? How but I loved it. I read it long after all that happened, um, again, on a recommendation from someone. And I was like, all right, fine, I'll give it, finally give it a shot. And I agree. It was, like, amazing. It it kind of, to maybe make a, a comparison that is divisive, it reminded me of all the good things I loved about the movie version of Calling By Your Name. It's like, again, it's like mm-hmm. a gay story that's all positive. Like, there's there's no, I mean, there's sadness and there's stuff like that going on, but it's like here's a hopeful life that could happen and the way i forget his first name but less um arthur arthur thank you yeah the way arthur less is just inhabiting the world and in this blue suit of his and running around the world and there's just all this great humor that's just on every page and every turn of the phrase and it's subtle it it kind of reminded me of um the artisan mall pin tales of the city oh, a little yeah. bit um in that like that kind of way like very very contemporary very funny very like you just want to be in that world. Loved it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So maybe to round out the conversation about stories about um, uh, gay male characters, has anyone read The Great Believers yet? I've had two of my close friends recommend that I read this, and I, I told them I'm not really ready for that story yet. <laughs> it's like, oh, man, I don't know if I need a, a, a down... Uh, March, where I'm just crying all the time. Like, I'm not ready for that. But, um, yes, but... you are. You should be. That book is amazing. Okay, so I'm wrong. But I admit it. I feel like this has been such a year, the past couple of years have been uh, a real era of, um, I don't know, like, marginalized authors finding mainstream audiences. Mm-hmm. You know, like, people... A book that comes to mind is um, Terry Jones and American Marriage, which mm-hmm. is about a black couple. It's an interclass marriage where the the wife is sort of upper crust, and the husband comes from rural Louisiana, and he gets convicted of a crime he didn't commit. Um, and no matter what, if you're black, if you're southern, whatever, like if you are a person who's ever loved anyone, it seems like you can find yourself in that book. And it was an Oprah's Book Club book, but it's also you know, been heralded by the literary set. Um, not that those two things are mutually exclusive. <laughs> um, it's going to be... <laughs> exactly. 
it's going to be made into a TV show, but it's, you know, it's accessible, it reads fast, it's funny, it's smart. Um, and I just feel like 20 years ago, it's the same thing where like with less, that would have been, you know, on the gay literature shelf, mm-hmm. that's that right. part of the novel and yeah. um, an American marriage would have been on the African American literature shelf. But now it seems like those divisions are, are collapsing, yeah. which yeah. is nice. Well, and there's a huge demand from readers for those stories. You know, uh, last I think it was only last year The Hate You Give came out and mm-hmm. then, you know that's huge and it's already being made into a movie. Angie Thomas's second book just is it coming out or just came out. Um, so that's on my reading list too. Um, yeah. But, yeah, the Rebecca Mackay, the, the Great Believers, like again, another story that gives us the perspective. Like you've read the you know heartbreaking AIDS narrative. Um, but this one, what I really loved about it was the perspective of the female caretaker. And it was mm. like she's doing this great job. And this is still a history that there's not a lot of nonfiction written about, but there's so many straight women did at the time and continue to take care of, you know, their gay allies, their friends, their family. And that has been kind of eclipsed a little bit by the central story that we always get of like the the tragic young gay man that is dying of this, you know, awful disease, which of course is very important, something that we always will continue to need to read about. But there's also this other element that Rebecca Mackay is bringing up. And I think to your point, Sarah, like that kind of thing, those kind of voices that have been avoided or have been ignored are now sort of the moment's right for them. People want to, they want to read those things. They want to hear new perspectives on a story they maybe know from one angle. I think that's definitely true. What do you guys think is contributing to that? I mean, I find that really interesting, both from just like even a basic, like you're saying in the bookstore, right? Like on a marketing level, right? Like which shelf this book occupies, like what space occupies, but also in terms of finding its audience or audiences maybe creating that demand. Like I'm, yeah, I mean, it's it's interesting to think about this shift in how we approach these these novels, or even think about them kind of occupying the mainstream. Like I'm, I don't know, what, what are your thoughts on, on where that's coming from? Or <laughs> if this is as marked a shift, I guess, you know? I'm curious about like, I feel like when I was younger, um, it was all about, I, I just remember this moment of the corrections being the big book and Jonathan mm-hmm. Brandon being the big deal. Jonathan Savard Foer, yeah. who like full disclosure was one of my professors in grad school and was a great professor. There was this moment where like those were the writers being heralded and now mm-hmm. it almost feels like they're being mocked in a certain way. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if it's cyclical. I don't know why it, like everyone can't be on top all at once. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, I do. I think that's generous and I wonder... Um, I don't. What do you, what do you, Cody and Dan? What do you think? I mean, I, I, I couldn't say why. Um, but that's one of the reasons why Bookswell is here is to mm-hmm. amplify those underheard voices. I think that maybe there's been a shift, maybe because of the internet, where like people are being heard in in various ways, not just like books, but you know, across all media. And then that's kind of bleeding over into publishing, where they're like, oh wait, people want to hear those types of voices. Now we need a we need to open up a bit um, the the acquisition process um, to to select those works which were already out there but maybe weren't being picked up. Right. Yeah, I would I would agree with that. And also, Irene, I would say that um, publish the, these books are making money, right? At uh-huh. the end of the day, these stories are there is definitely a hunger for them because people are buying them, um, which I think is the key point. Because publishing, just like any other industry, is not as diverse as it should be. Right. <laughs> um, so I think when you don't have a diverse uh, sort of acquisition process or you don't have the, the tastemakers are themselves not diverse, 
there's always going to be a resistance to trying something new because mm-hmm. you aren't familiar with it. And we all do that in our everyday life for any number of reasons. Um, but the fact that these books are succeeding means that people are like, okay, I now feel comfortable you know, taking a quote-unquote risk on a book that maybe before I wouldn't have because I just didn't know how to read it. I didn't know how to engage with it. Um, so I think on the one hand, we have to give a lot of credit to publishers for sort of taking a, a risk or extending themselves. But at the other hand, we also have to thank the readers for buying these books and wanting these books and, mm-hmm. you know, supporting events for these authors, you know, and any other thing that you could do to kind of show your love for diverse books. Right. Um, so I think it's kind of, it's a twofold, it's a twofold reason. Yeah. So with that, I think we want to transition to start talking about what's coming up. Like, what are the events that we're really excited about um, coming up in March? Uh, we just posted 144 events to the Bookswell Ooh, website. Wow. So that's, and I'm sure we didn't even capture everything, but that's like as much as we could find. Um, we'll be updating it regularly. But um, I, it looks like March 10th is like my day of just going to everything I can. <laughs> um, at the event where, um, where Irene and I were on Tuesday, I met a woman named Rita Osei. I sat down next to her, and she has just published um, an anthology of poetry called Hashtag Woman, which includes 50 poems by 16 artists from around the world, and they're doing a book launch um, downtown at the Brewery Arts Complex um, on March 10th. So, like, that I'll be at. Turns out that's just after another event at Skylight Books at 5 p.m., which is... Um, this great book that I wish I wish I'd known about it when it was in development. Um, it's called Headcase: LGBTQ Writers and Artists on Mental Health and Wellness. Mm. And I feel like if I miss that, my FOMO will kill me, <laughs> um, or at least it'll make me very sad. So like that one, that one I'm going to as well. So like all my money's on March 10th. <laughs> um, Jill Abramson, um, who used to work at the New York Times, she was like the head woman over there. Um, uh, it's going to be speaking at the LA Public Library's Allowed series about her book, The Truth Merchants, which is about um, Vice, BuzzFeed, the New York Times, and I believe the Washington Post, and mm. like the current political moment and how they're dealing with the radicalization of politics and everything. Um, I'm really interested, both because I'm interested in the current state of journalism and also because there has been some scandals surrounding that book, some um, allegations that she may have plagiarized or her research assistant may have plagiarized. And I'm really curious to see how somebody with such a storied career um, addresses and deals with something like that. Yeah, yeah. And that's happening at the Allowed series, which has had its own set of controversies for the past week. So that'll be a cluster. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> You'll have to tell us next time how bring it goes. popcorn and my tea and Plagiarism is having a moment. Really like AJ Finn was the other one. The, oh my gosh. What, yes. I forget the name of the book, but like the, the, the woman in the mystery. window. Yeah, yeah. 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 We should have an episode devo- devoted to literary yeah. scandal. <laughs> <laughs> so there were there were several days where I couldn't even go on Twitter because I was so mad about Dan Mallory and like his great success and this this just call it lies. <laughs> um, but but now I'm over that. But I, yeah, I would love to see that develop even further. Um, because that's going to blow up when the movie comes out. Oh my gosh. Yeah. So yes. that's not over yet. Stay tuned for more. <laughs> <laughs> How about you, Irene? Do you have any coming up that you really want to go? Yeah, there's, 
there's another event at Skylight on March 7th. It's Nina Revore's book, um, The Student of History, which is coming out, which I'm really excited to go and see her read um, and also just to pick up and buy because I actually haven't read any of her previous novels, but I am really excited about this one, which I think like some of her other work, um, addresses LA history, um, takes it in from a number of different perspectives. Um, and as someone who grew up in LA, but hasn't lived here for a really long time and just moved back, I'm just really excited to kind of take in a lot of literature just from, um, and about Los Angeles. So I'll be there on the seventh at Skylight. Yeah. Dan, what about you? No, I, I actually had a really tough time picking just one event. <laughs> um, Cause there's just, there's so many, like I was looking over the, the book's whole calendar. There's everything from um, a buddy of mine and also a fellow book club moderator, uh, CB Lee. She has a queer book club at the last bookstore, yep. um, which I'm sure is going to be fantastic. Um, a guy I knew back in my New York days when he was teaching writing classes at Gotham Writers Workshop, Mar Matt De La Pena. He's now like this great children's book author, and he has a, an event. He did, just did a Superman, like he, he wrote a Superman, and that's gonna. They're doing an event at Romans yeah. for that. Yeah. Um, there's a lot, but ultimately, what I decided on was. Uh, Ali Liebegott's signing again at Skylight Books. <laughs> um, that's yeah, right. Yeah. We'll just record there. Uh, that one's on March 12th. And what I loved about like Liebegott's book, um, I know her from events at Lambda Lit Fest. We had her um, at one of our community-driven events, and I just and that's where I first heard from this book, and I was just enraptured with it. It's I guess what you would call a book-length memoir through poem. Um, I don't really know how she classifies it. I read it in Galley, so I don't, I wasn't even marketed to me. Um, but it's just this, it's a beautiful, heartbreaking, like cathartic story of... The is not in the building. It's a beautiful, heartbreaking, cathartic story about the speaker of the, of the poem, I guess it's, it's probably Liebigat, uh, is dealing with the impending death of her dog, this beloved Dalmatian of hers right after her um, partner's mom dies and then her partner leaves her like a year later. So like wow. all these awful things are happening. Like the very first poem starts with like a baby bird dying. And this sounds super <laughs> sad and depressing, but it's actually not like less. It's actually, she finds a way to kind of pull out the humor. Mm -hmm. um, and just, I know from having heard her read that when she does read, it's gonna, she's gonna bring out that humor. And you're gonna be like laughing along while still also ugly crying. Um, so I'm definitely, she's really empathetic and she just, the words are amazing. Um, so I'm really looking forward to that. And she has got a, she has a great energy and a great crowd that follow her around town. So I'm really looking forward to that. Again, that's Ali Liebegott reading. I never said the name of the book. The book is called The Summer of Dead Birds. Um, and that's going to be at Skylight on March 12th. So it sounds like the motto for March might be let the ugly cry happen. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, I want to thank my co-hosts for having such a fun time with me today. Um, thank you for listening. Uh, this has been episode one of the Bookswell Intersections podcast. To browse upcoming events, sign up for our newsletter, or locate our Patreon donations page, visit us at www.bookswell.club. We'll talk with you soon.